So the scripture for today is one verse. It is Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I'm David. I'm the pastor here at Current. Welcome. So glad you could be here. Um, if you do have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians 4. We're going to be focusing on that verse, but of course looking at it in its context. Um, I remember well the time, someone very close to me, uh, because of the circumstance I found myself in, kind of the weight of the situation, I kind of dug a hole and put myself in, uh, they felt uh, they needed to share the words, David, you're acting like a donkey. Now, this is church. He didn't actually use the word donkey, but I'm going to use that word. I think you guys can follow. David, you're acting like a donkey. And, you know, normally I would have really balked at hearing those words. I would have probably gotten pretty uh, defensive. Um, but they ended up being words that just for whatever reason in that moment, in that season, based on the relationship that I had with that person, uh, it ended up having a tremendous uh, impact and help for me in my, in my life. I'm going to share more about that story later, but, you know, as those words sound pretty harsh, do know that they were, they were spoken to me with absolute love in mind. Um, today, uh, you know, I, I, I want to consider, there, there, are, there are times in our lives when we need folks to kind of speak real talk into us, aren't there? Um, as there are times when we need to be there for, for those around us, uh, speaking truth in love, as the Scripture just talked about it. Uh, we are continuing our series, Thriving in Relationship, where we are looking at some of the timeless, uh, practical wisdom the Bible has to, to share on either strengthening relationships that are more or less healthy, or bringing healing to relationships that uh, might not be as healthy, um, but we need, we need healing, we need, a, we need a touch there. And we've come to the relationship quality of speaking truth in love. Um, and so uh, I want to be focusing on uh, Ephesians 4 with you. Um, but isn't this speaking truth in love, isn't that a helpful thought just even as we kind of think about it high level in terms of it's not truth without love and it's not love without truth, but it's both hand in hand. Um, it's loving in balance, in other words. In other words, uh, so let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll, we'll dig into it a little bit more. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. What a beautiful day. Thank you that we get to live in a place like this where, it, man, this is par for the course more days than not. Um, Lord, thank you even more so for the, the beautiful community that you have here, the family that is represented here in this church, uh, for folks who might be visiting uh, either for the first or, or first few times. Um, Lord, we just, we, we long to... Uh, be touched by your spirit today. Would you help us to, to learn from you today? Would you help me even get out of the way? Um, and would you speak through me at this time? I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so the context of this sentence, this verse that was read, is it was, it was a letter written by the early church leader Paul, the Apostle Paul, to the church in Ephesus. Now I have a map up here which will hopefully show you kind of the space. Oh great, it turned out better than I thought it was going to. Um, this is a more functional map, by the way. I think uh, Google people will enjoy that. Apple people are like, this doesn't look pretty enough, but be that as it may. Uh, this is a picture of the Mediterranean Sea, of course. And uh, up at the top, you see the Aegean Sea, uh, you know, um, Greece there in the middle, and then on the right, modern-day Turkey. 
uh, where it says Galatia, if you can read. Um, on, the, on, the left, uh, on the western uh, side of modern-day Turkey is, is the town of Ephesus. So Paul was an early church planter. He was going around starting all these churches. One of the churches he started was, was in Ephesus. And so now he's writing a letter to this church, these people, the Ephesians. And uh, the letter actually follows very much the format of the, of the letter that we looked at last week. If you were here last week, we looked at the letter to Rome, the book of Romans. And the format there was the first part of that book. The first part of Romans is theological. And then he pivots and he talks more practical. first part of, of Romans is uh, theological, then he moves practical. Same, he follows the same format here in Ephesians. The first three chapters in Ephesians are theological, what God has done for us. And then he pivots in chapter 4, which is where we are today, into the more practical. And just like in Romans, as we saw last week, he does so again today in, in, in this letter to the Ephesians, top on his list of priorities in terms of what God has done for us, what it means for us, how does this play out practically, are relationships. He just goes straight to relationships. And specifically now by verse 15, uh, as he's moving, moving into his, his, uh, more the meat of the practical part of this letter, he is talking more specifically about how we mature in relationships. So if you, if, again, you have, if you have that verse in front of you, speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Uh, he's saying this is how we mature. If we're a follower of Christ, this is how we mature. This is one of the ways in which we mature, or uh, just in general, uh, we need uh, truth in our lives, in love, and, and, and this is part of our uh, maturing. Um, so what I want to do is as we look through this, this verse, I kind of unpack it as kind of in part. So it's speaking truth in love. The first part I want to focus on is that in love part, okay? It's not just speaking truth, but it's in love. What does that in love mean when it comes to speaking truth in love? Um, if you were here when we went through uh, the, our last series, Upside Down Kingdom, when we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount, um, we were looking at Jesus' most famous sermon, and in that, uh, that sermon, he preached, do not judge. You guys remember this? He said, don't judge. And he talked about a speck of sawdust and a log. You guys remember that? Those of you guys who were here? You, so I want to think about this in terms of as we start to consider speaking truth in love, the speck and the log. So here's what Jesus was saying when he was talking about a similar thing uh, in that sermon. Do not judge, he said, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Now real quickly, it's interesting that Jesus is saying the word brother. He's talking about the brother in the faith. He's not just saying don't judge those people over there. He's talking about of the people in the same faith. Don't, don't, just, don't judge them. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank or log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is teaching don't judge. And if anything, what he's really trying to say is if we are quick to judge others, we are going to be quick to, to, to miss the fact that we ourselves are the ones who need to be judged. You following me? If we're judging others, chances are, Jesus is saying, why don't you go ahead and assume the greater offense is actually in yourself. He's talking about this little speck in the eye. He says, compared to this plank, if you were here, you know that that word is actually a load uh, uh, bearing beam that we used to build homes with. So Jesus wasn't, I, I used to think of it like as a two by four in our eye that Jesus was talking about. He's talking about like a telephone pole in our eyes. He's like, if you're judging people for the speck in their eye, just realize you probably have a telephone pole in your eye. 
He's getting comical about it because he really wants us to know, guys, you need to start with a humble, sober judgment of yourself before you even think about your brother. Um, I like to think that he actually used the same material in that illustration in terms of the speck of sawdust and then this plank, both being wood. Maybe this is too much of a stretch. I don't know. But it seems like the things that we tend to judge others about tend to be the things that we ourselves struggle with. You know, things like, for instance, caring about what other people think. We'll, we'll get really upset with our friend about that when our newsfeed shows that we really care about what other people think. Or, uh, you know, the image, you know, someone's image, you know, why are they so into their image? You're just so into your image when we ourselves are, are really big into our own image. Jesus is saying, if you're going to have a heart posture towards anything when it comes to speaking truth and love, there's a love component here that we need to consider first, and that is... None of us have our act together. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. We are all broken. As far as God sees it, it's like we're walking around with telephone poles in our eyes, and we like to think, oh, you've got a speck in your eye. Jesus is saying, start with a humble perspective that you yourself need to judge yourself and, and, be, and be thinking in terms of what this impacts yourself. Now, why am I going to all of this? Uh, speaking truth in love starts first there, but we cannot... We cannot just do speak truth without the love part. The speaking truth without the love part leads to some pretty funky scenarios. It can be individuals. It can be a work culture. It can be a church culture. Have you guys ever played that game Whack-A-Mole? You guys know that game Whack-A-Mole from the arcade? Like there's all those little holes that the, the mole kind of pops out, and you have this massive mallet that they give you to just, like, start whacking. Whenever the mole comes out from one of the holes, you whack it, and you get the more points, the better. It seems to me that we can real easily, if we just, sto- if we just stick on the truth part and we forget the love part, everything becomes whack-a-mole. And I think we've all, a lot of us have probably been in a culture that that's the case. Uh, Jesus is saying, boy, and I think, I think Paul reiterates, you can't go there. The culture, if anything, needs to start with, a, with the culture to use Jesus' thought, remembering the speck and the log of one that says, you know what, in humility, I need to look at this myself. But let's look at what Paul has to say, with, say about it. When he first goes there uh, in Ephesians 4, again, right when he f- first moves to the practical side of his, of his letter, before even getting to the verse 15 that we're in, here's how he says it. First thing he says when he gets practical, based on what God has done for us, be completely humble and gentle be patient, bearing with one another in love. It starts with in love. I want to be real careful here because often I think we can hear, oh, speaking truth in love. I get to speak truth in someone's life. You know what I'm saying? You could, you could just be real easy like, okay, I get, here's my chance to kind of put someone in their place, but that is not what Jesus is saying. That is not what Paul is saying. It needs to be done in love. Now, it follows, though, that there are times in which we need uh, to speak truth, uh, truth in love. So I want to look at now the, the, the speaking truth part. What does that look like? Uh, one side of the coin is it means, of course, that we need to step up at some times to speak truth in love. And this can be hard. You know, speaking personally, my natural bend is I don't really enjoy that too much. Okay? I, I, I'm not a fan. I'd, I'd rather just let things just kind of keep going and... and um, but there's, it can be awkward, it can be uh, emotionally draining, it can, be, it can cost you something, including, for instance, the relationship. Um, but there are times, again, humbly speaking, uh, 
for, the, for, for, for love of the person close to us, we need to be willing to step up to the plate. I remember uh, someone who was really close to me. Uh, they, 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 uh, they were always dating gals. This guy was always dating gals that would take advantage of him. Um, most generous guy on the planet, okay? This is the kind of guy where he would just buy rounds of golf for all his friends at work, pay for all the amazing food afterwards and beforehand, spend uh, weekends, uh, you know, at, at his buddies' uh, homes, uh, working on their projects all for free. You know, this is this guy. I remember there was one, one side note, actually, of one, one gal that she, he, was, he was dating. Uh, after dating her for only a couple of weeks, um, he bought her a really expensive piece of jewelry. A couple of days later, she broke up with him. You see where this is going, and took and kept that expensive piece of jewelry. Um, I love this guy to death. He's just such a sweet guy. But you could see, you know, he, 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 would, he would date gals, and oftentimes they would take advantage. Well, there's this one gal in particular, I remember, that was taking advantage of him. And anybody, you know, outside looking in was even saying to me, David, are you, do you see that? Like, are you, are you in that? And I was just like, man, I don't want to have that conversation. I love him too much. Um, I had kind of had conversations with him, but not really. And you see where this is? This is hard. But I, I came to the revelation at one point. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's almost as if I would rather take a bullet for him than have a conversation with him about something that seems to be, he seems to be missing. You following me? Um, it, this can be hard. Now, it's not the regular thing. What's the regular church class? It's humbly, patiently bearing with each other in love. There's some times, though. There's some times that we need to step up, and when we do, it's, it's hard. You know, it's interesting. Paul, he wrote another letter to another church in Corinth. So that, that map up there earlier, you saw Ephesus kind of in modern-day uh, uh, Turkey. Uh, right across the Aegean Sea was uh, Corinth, actually, which is Greece. That's where Corinth is. He had started another church there. And you know how I said earlier that uh, Paul had this format of writing first theological and then shifting practical in his letters. The Corinthian church was so jacked up that they didn't even get the theological part. He just went straight to the practical. I'm serious. You read the practical. He's like, guys, you're, you can just almost feel Paul pulling his hair out as he's like writing this letter. We actually have, uh, we, we know, for the best we know is that he actually wrote four letters to these guys, two of which are preserved that we have in the Bible today, First and Second Corinthians. Um, but Paul is just for throughout the letter like, guys, guys, with this and that, he's just trying to help them along. Um, and you could imagine that their response to him uh, was mixed in its feelings, right? Um, there were some things they appreciated from times, but there was also a lot of time where the Corinthian church just didn't like Paul. In fact, they would attack him. And not just attack him, they, they were constantly attacking his character. Now imagine if you're Paul. Now, here you are invested in this church. You love this church. You're trying to do everything you can, and they're attacking him. Uh, listen to how he writes about this at, at one point. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. What is he writing to the Corinthian church? He's saying, guys, if you believe, if you've received what God has done for you, you can't not let this impact, in, impact your, your life. It's got to overflow into your life. It's got to it's got to come out. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say, as, as Jesus said? He's like, if you believe this, it's got to impact your life. 
Verse 3, we, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. He's talking about we and our, his kind of church planting, his church startup entourage, a guy named Timothy. A couple of these guys, he went in and he started this church, this, this leadership team that was there. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance, in troubles, hardship, and distresses. What's Paul doing? He's listing out all the ways, Corinthian church, I have loved you to the extent I've done these things. Don't you see that? Don't you see these things I've done for you? Endurance, troubles, hardship, distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights. You ever lack sleep because you're loving someone? In hunger, in purity and understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech. There it is. And in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, guys, don't you see? Yeah, this is not fun to share these things, and I can understand it. It's hard to receive it, but don't you realize I've been doing everything only ever out of love for you guys? And what's mind-boggling to me is he gives this list of things. He's talking about riots that he's endured. You can follow this all the way, by the way, in the book of Acts. We have all these records, these riots, these like imprisonments, you know, all these near-death experiences. And what he lists on the same level, speaking truth. Speaking truth can be hard. I'd like to think the riot stuff and the imprisonment stuff is hard. Paul's saying that's hard. Sometimes it can be incredibly hard. But here's what's incredible to me about Paul. He doesn't let that lead him to say, you know what, Corinthian church, I'm done with you. You're a lost cause. Forget you. Um, Instead, he writes to them at least four times. And actually, he goes on and concludes the matter saying this, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Actually, the word there is, oh, Corinthians. We have spoken freely to you, oh, Corinthians, and open wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your heart also. Uh, what we're seeing here is Paul opening his heart, softening his heart. I would like... I would like to think that I wouldn't do this, but I think my natural tendency when people are attacking your character and all that sort of thing is to be like, well, forget you then. I'm doing this out of love for you, and all I'm, do- all I'm getting in return is attack. But Paul's heart is softening even as their hearts have hardened in the ways. And by the way, I'm so glad they did because the Corinthian church was benefited from all of this. But sometimes we need to sp- sp- uh, step up uh, and to the, to the plate on these rare occasions to speak truth. It might cost you emotional energy for sure, maybe even the friendship, um, but, but we, we need to be willing to step up to the plate and speak truth in love. We also, other side of the coin, need to be able to receive truth in love. I don't love speaking truth into people's lives. I also don't like receiving truth in people's lives. Here's my pastoral confession as I work my way through this. Um, was there ever a time when you were younger that your parents said to you, oh, son, you know, you don't want to go down that road. Or daughter, you know, take it from me. Just you don't want to, you don't want to get into that. You don't, it's not going to go well for you. How did you respond when your parents did that? I think most of us probably were like, they don't know me. They don't understand life. Who are they? Never mind, I'm 14 years old as I'm thinking this. And, you know, it's like, Really? And then years later, maybe decades later, we look back and we're like, oh, they totally knew what they were talking about. You know what I'm saying? Have you, like, have you ever done that? 
Um, by the way, on this side of, of parenthood, I have so much more respect and, and, and like towards, towards how my parents raised me. It's like, oh my goodness. Like, I see this text speaking truth and, light, and love in a completely different way in terms of like parenthood and not parenthood. And I, I love that Paul even here says, as a fair exchange, I speak to my children. He's like invoking parenthood. Okay, that's extra credit. I'm not, that's, none of that's my notes. But parenthood and all that sort of thing, we need to be able to, to receive it sometimes. And, and oftentimes, boy, we, we just don't want to see it, don't we? We don't want to hear it. We don't want to feel it. No, they're wrong. Um, but maybe if folks are coming to us and sharing with us, I think the heart posture we need to have is the same, and that is, oh my goodness, they might not be right here, but could they be right? Could there be something to this that I need to hear? Um, do I need to listen to? That's maturity. That's growing uh, as people in our relationships and our faith. Uh, they might be wrong, but they might also be right. By the way, when you look at the rest of what's going on here in Ephesians, again, one verse today is, is enough. But if you look at the rest of the context in, in, in Ephesians, all of what Paul is talking about, he's talking about all of this within community, specifically the church community. If you look at verse 11, sorry, it won't be on the board. He's saying, so Christ gave himself, he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, he gave kind of church leadership to kind of help with this. Not that they would abuse that, heaven forbid, but that they would receive what they've given and give it. Um, as I go there, I feel kind of insecure as a pastor saying this. It's like my job, I try as humbly as, as I can before you guys, is not to get up here, by the way, with, and use the pulpit of this is what David thinks. I don't care what David thinks. And I hope you don't really care what David thinks. But what we care about is what Christ gives and to the extent it's from his word. Does that make sense? And so we are constantly trying to look to what does he have to say as we point people to Jesus, starting with ourselves. And so in these situations, we need to look at this from the humble lens of, what is Jesus saying in our lives? Because he wants the best for us. That's what he wants. That's what this is all about. But we've got to be able to receive that truth in love. There's another example in the scriptures that I think is just, you know, amazing in terms of helping uh, me understand this, in terms of somebody who had the ability to receive truth in love. It was a guy named Peter. Have you heard of him? kind of the main dude, right, of, of Jesus' followers. And when the early church started, he was the main leader, Peter. Well, one day, Paul went over to a dinner party with Peter, and Peter was just eating with his group of folks that, by the way, was divided along racial lines. You following me? Basically, Peter's being kind of racist, and by kind of, I mean actually. Okay, he's being racist. He was living, and, and Paul sees this, and he's like, oh my goodness, Peter, don't you realize that the gospel speaks this, like tears this to shreds? You're a leader. And if people see this as you doing this and you're separating yourselves from these other folks, like that can't be. And so Paul humbly spoke to Peter and said, hey, and the amazing thing is Peter didn't say, who are you, Paul? I'm Peter. He didn't do that. What did he do? He received it. Oh, my goodness. Like, that to me is the miracle of that story. He received it. And again, there's not a lot of examples in the Bible that you could turn to and like, here's truth and love, here's truth. I mean, there are, but they're the rare occurrence. Church, class, like what is the, the, supposed to be the regular? Patient, humble, bearing with one another. But when the time comes to step up and to speak it and receive it. I remember when uh, this person said to me, David, you're acting like a donkey. Again, not donkey, donkey, but donkey. Um, I had been acting that way. 
I, ha- I had been acting that way. Uh, the, the situation was around a girl. Okay, this is college years. What else would it be? This is college years. Boy, I'm burying my soul today. My goodness. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was around a girl, and basically a roommate of mine, a good buddy of mine, had been dating this gal for a long time, real, real close, and, but had broken up a while back, like a significant enough time a while back. And I had been talking to her kind of, sort of, with not, like, trying to do anything, okay? I'm really bearing myself out there for you. But really, I wasn't, like, there, there was nothing going on there. But, but he thought that there was something going on, and he got livid about it. And I got mad that he got mad about it because I'm sitting here, like, I'm not doing, dude, calm down. Like, I'm not, like, and even if I were, you know, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. Okay, everybody knows where I'm coming from, okay? So, so, so that was kind of the situation. And, and so, like, and, and, and it, it wreaked all kind of havoc. This is my roommate with a bunch of other guys, all in the same community, all in the same web of relationship. It was not fun. It was an intense couple of weeks, okay? It was an intense couple of weeks. And I remember one buddy, just as a side note, another mutual friend of ours, you guys just need to fight it out. You guys just need to, like, <laughs> actually his words were, you need to go fisticuffs. I'm like, dude, we're not going to, like, go fight club on this, but... I think he's a friend, but anyways, um, where was I? Okay, so the real friend of the story, uh, finally, you know, at one point after a week of the, or a couple weeks of this going on, said, "Hey, let's get together." Took me out to uh, took me out to breakfast, and um, and it was, you know, I was worked up. That, that man, that that couple weeks, I was just on edge all the time, and uh, you know, uh, this person just like sat across from me and let me get it all out, and I just kind of shared, I, you know, I was venting as I was doing with everybody at that time wasn't in a healthy place. And I was just venting like, oh, yeah, this is this. And, you know, after letting me get it all out and talk, he said, he said David, look, I get all those reasons. I get, I get what you're saying. Um, but it's not always black and white, is it? You're actually acting a little bit like a donkey right now. And it was in that moment I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, you ever felt like an arrow hit you in between the eyes? It's like, dang it. But, oh, dang it. Um, and we didn't have to, like, walk through the path of healing. I knew what I needed to do at that point. And you know what I'm saying? And, and, and that was a life-changing moment for me on a number of fronts. It was, and it brought a lot of healing because this person was willing to, in love, in a loving relationship, uh, help me through it. You know what I'm saying? And I think, again, I think the more miracle was that I think God's grace was allowed. You know, I was at a place where I could actually hear that. We need to be able to speak truth in love, and we need to be able to receive it, again, with the, the, the undergirding principle or culture of being patient with each other, humble, and bearing with one another as, as Christ um, bears with us. Um, but sometimes our growth, our moving towards Jesus, our learning, our maturing in Him as people in, in relationships means speaking truth in love, so that we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. It's love, loving and balance, isn't it? Um, now, here's, here's, here's the question. Why, why would we do this? Or how could we ever do this? Because at the end of the day, why would we stick it out? You know, if a relationship gets hard and you, or you don't want to go there, why would you do that? So that we may mature becomes a mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. We would do this, we can do this, because this is what Christ did for us. This is the gospel. Jesus on the cross 
didn't just speak truth in love. He died truth in love. Jesus himself said, I am the truth. And in his dealing with the truth, our truth, that we are messed up and that we need, you know, to, we are broken, we need healing, and we need all that sort of stuff, is what nailed him to the cross. It was his love that took all of that. You know, I used to always think, and I wonder if some of you are there, even, by the way, as a Christian, that, you know, it's, it's kind of the proverbial God, God is in heaven with his, like, lightning bolts, and he's ready to, like, you know, when you mess up, just kind of, actually better, and, and use the same analogy, like, he's up there with a big mallet, you know, and, we, and we're, we're going to stick up our head, and we mess up here, and he's just whack, you know, I used, to, I used to think that that's how it works. He's not up there just trying to, like, put us in our place. He's up there loving us wanting to love us and helping us move forward. And sometimes it's going to mean like, okay, in our spirit, right? He's going to bring something to the surface. Or maybe it's something like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, a friend, hopefully humbly coming and saying, hey, I might not see this right. Or, you know, don't use the word donkey or anything like that. We covered that. Um, you know what I'm saying? In, in terms of speaking truth or receiving truth in love. That's what this is all about. This is what God has done for us. This is what we receive and when the time calls for it, as rare as it might, as that occasion might be, we extend to others because it's His love that we receive and that we extend. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you that at the end of the day, you haven't, you don't abandon us. If there was a relationship that one party had every right to say, you know what, forget you. I'm done with you. I've tried my best. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, boy, Lord, you could have done that with us and have, and have been completely justified, even as we in our little relationships feel like we're justified and more often than not aren't even close to being justified in that sort of treatment. And yet, you came and died on the cross for us. You literally died truth into our lives, out of your love for us. We, we thank you for that. We thank you that you don't just leave us where we are, but because of your love for us, you want us to grow into the likeness of your Son. Father, would you help us as a church? Yes, on the rare occasion, have, be willing to have that conversation, but when we have that conversation, uh, do it in love. But I pray even more so that you would help us be a culture that is gentle and humble, bearing with one another, always loving, because of the truth of the gospel that you've given us. Um, we love you, Father, and we give ourselves to you. We pray us all in Jesus' name. Amen.